<laughs> so we're recovering and we're blessed. Amen. We have been for a lot of Wednesdays now looking at our uh, listing of healing scriptures. The cards are out there on the table. They're free of charge. And also these scriptures are on our website. You can download them to your own device if you'd like to use them every day. And uh, these are scriptures that Glenn and I took hold of many years ago. We, uh, one, of the, one of the first early uh, ministers that had uh, came out of Ramah came to our part of the world in the early 80s and introduced me to these healing scriptures. And he used them every day and started and encouraged us to do so. And so we began, we got acquainted with them. And I would say the first few years, probably we weren't quite as adamant about doing this every day as we are now. But we began to dig in and, and actually memorize them. I mean, it might sound a little funny, but we could go out here if we were in the car together and I could start with the very first one and we'd both walk all the way through to the very end. They've just become a part of our lives. So whether I have... Uh, my phone in front of me, which most of the time I do uh, when I do this, but even if I don't, I can still go through these healing scriptures. Now, they're not, um, this is not luck. You know, it's not like a rabbit's foot. And have you ever wondered why that, you know, some of you are old enough to remember the, the old rabbit's foot. Remember, people would have them in their pocket and on a keychain, and, and it was supposedly for good luck. But nobody ever asked the rabbit about good luck. <laughs> It wasn't good for it wasn't good for the rabbit, obviously. But uh, anyway, who wants somebody else's foot dyed purple stuck in your pocket? It just doesn't make sense. But that's not what these are. These are not good luck charms. It's not magic. We're not uh, we're not chanters. We don't go through vain repetitions as the heathen do. But what we do understand is that when we speak the Word of God, power is released. It's not that we do it. We're just giving voice to what God has said. We're repeating Him. And His Word is full of power and is never void of power. And so I would encourage you, and we're, we're coming close to the end. I don't know if we'll finish tonight or not, but we're getting very close to the end, and we'll move into some other uh, area of teaching for Wednesday nights, but I would encourage you to, to use these scriptures every single day and say them out loud. Don't just look at them and think about them. That's good, but give voice to them. As a matter of fact, we are down to the last two verses. And of course, those two verses are Mark eleven twenty three and Mark eleven twenty four, where Jesus said, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And then he went on to say, Therefore, in other words, based on this, this great truth, Therefore I say unto you, What? things soever you desire when you pray believe that you receive them and you shall have them amen smith wigglesworth the great english evangelist of yesteryear and you might wonder sometimes why we quote him today since he went home to be with the lord in 1947 
It's a long time ago. But one reason we quote him is because he said so many cool things. He was an uneducated plumber from Bradford, England. That's in the north of England in Yorkshire. He would have had that, that particular accent they had, dropping the H's when they're there and, and going on with the word and adding H's where there are no H's. Uh, uh, he just had that way. And uh, he was not educated in the classical sense at all. He made a statement one time. He said, some people read their Bible in Hebrew and some people read their Bible in Greek. He said, I like to read mine in the Holy Ghost. And uh, so anyway, uh, after his uh, home going and people that didn't know him and they began to kind of take uh, examination of his life, they realized that there were accounted for 23 people raised from the dead in his ministry. I'm still working on my first one. So... Uh, Somebody like that, I, I, I want to know what they're saying. The book, Ever Increasing Faith, you can still buy it. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on uh, Kindle, and you can put it on your device as well. Uh, that book, he is credited as the author, but Wigglesworth never wrote a book. Those actually were sermons he preached in various places that were taken down by a stenographer with shorthand. Anybody remember shorthand? I mean, old enough to remember. You don't want to raise your hand because you don't want anybody to know you're that old. Uh, but anyway, um, they took it down and uh, took the messages down, and so they compiled them to make the book. But it's a wonderful book and some great, great statements in, in that book. It's just powerful stuff. And anyway, I said all that, a little uh, history lesson here, because Wigglesworth used to say of Mark eleven twenty three, he would ask people, are you Sething yet? Now he was, in his accent, the way he was saying, he meant saith from the King James, saith. Now he would just say, are you Sething yet? In other words, what he was asking people, are you saying anything? Is your faith speaking? Is your voice saying what God says? Are you Sething yet? So sometimes... Uh, again, uh, you know, at, at home, uh, Glenna will know what I mean. I would know what she means. And <laughs> I will say, I need to go say some things. We know what that's about. We know that means there's some faith statements that we want to make. And again, as I said, these are not just for good luck. There is a release of faith when we speak the Word of God. Now, what I want to do in, uh, tonight, and if we have to go another Wednesday, that's fine too. But what I want to do is actually back up to verse 22. That's not on that list out there, but uh, it's obviously important to the context. And so we'll look at uh, verse 20. Matter of fact, while we're doing this, we should probably look back and see where the whole context for this came from. And let's look at verse number 12. Can you do that with me, please, tonight? And you know, I, I promise I won't preach past 10 o'clock, no matter how much you amen or how good I feel. Amen. Verse, 20, verse 12, rather. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. Now, what's happening is uh, Jesus goes out of the town at, uh, for the night. He goes to Bethany. We would assume he probably is going to the house of Lazarus. Mary and Martha, who were great uh, friends of Jesus and hosts, uh, Martha evidently was a great cook, and so 
you can always follow the preachers to the great cooks, amen? And uh, so, uh, <laughs> so anyway, they, they, Jesus, as far as we can tell, never spent a night in Jerusalem. Never stayed the night in Jerusalem. Always outside. He would go, come and go. I don't exactly know why. When we get to heaven, maybe we should ask him. But anyway, on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, that's they were coming from Bethany to go back into Jerusalem, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. Now this sounds a little strange. Why would he be looking for figs if it's not time for figs? But those who know about agriculture in that part of the world tell us that there was uh, a tendency in certain uh, trees, fig trees, that they would hold their, le- their figs. And so there was evidently possibility you could get some fruit from, from some of these trees. But not this one. And I really like verse 14. And this is where we have to... We have to kind of dig in a little bit here tonight. And Jesus answered and said unto it. What did he say something to? It, the tree. And I want you to notice, Jesus answered. Now, I don't answer unless somebody asks a question or makes a statement. So this unproductive tree was talking to Jesus. Now, I know, you know, I'm not talking about some weird thing where the tree had a mouth and you heard a voice, but I just want you to understand that natural things, including natural circumstances, and certainly including sickness, disease, or anything like that, has a tendency to want to talk to us. Amen? Uh, I told the story a number of times about the lady evangelist, Becky Fender. She's still alive. She wrote that song that was very popular years ago, Whose Report Will You Believe? And that was the, the call to the congregation, and they would respond with, We will believe the report of the Lord. His report says, I am healed. His report says, I am filled. His report says, I am free. His report says, victory. It's a good shouting song. Good shouting song. Anyway, she wrote the song when she was dealing with a, a cancer that was on her face, somewhere around her eye. And she looked in the mirror one day, and there it was. And the devil said, I'm going to kill you with that. And her answer was, I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. Well, she's still alive today. And that was, that was many, many years ago. So there is a reality to things and circumstances that try to talk you into dying, into being depressed, talk you into all kinds of division and strife in your life, talk you into various degrees of poverty and lack and want, and anything you can imagine that's connected to the curse, those things will try to talk to you. And so... Unless your faith can move your mountain, I'm sorry, unless your faith can move your mouth, it will never move your mountain. If you're unwilling, because that's all it would be, I mean, you can do this, but if, if you're unwilling to speak to uh, the unproductive areas of your life, if you're unwilling to speak 
when the devil shows up and knocks on the door, if you're unwilling to open your mouth, you'll never move your mountain. Your conversation has to align with what the Word of God says. And Jesus answered and said unto it. So I would think if it's okay for Jesus to talk to a tree, it's certainly okay for you to talk to a tumor, to talk to a zero balance or a negative balance in a checking account. It would be in order for you to speak to any situation of your life that needs to be answered with the Word of God. Now notice Jesus didn't say, this is sorry tree, I tell you what, I am hungry, and when I get hungry, I am a hard person to deal with. And somebody better get me a biscuit really quick, or you're gonna, there's going to be, you know, trouble around. No, that's not, you know, and, but people, I'm, I'm being facetious, of course, but people gripe, and people complain, and people moan, and people groan all the time about the way things are, and about this is not good, and that's wrong. I tell you, we need to stop all of that and we need to order our conversation in the direction of that which we desire and that which we believe God to do and you can't have it both ways out of the same fountain can't come salt water and 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 fresh water can't come sweet water and bitter water we've got to stay focused and so Jesus answered the tree and he said No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever, and his disciples heard it. Now we're going to find out in just a few verses down here that what this was, was Jesus cursing the tree. Now he wasn't cussing at the tree. (laughs) I'm not going to ask you about anything to do with that. He wasn't cussing at the tree, he was Cursing this unproductive tree. Now, what the Lord has dealt with me about and shown me uh, in, in this kind of a situation is that I have a right, you have a right, to curse anything that God calls cursed. We know from the story of Balaam in Israel's travels through the promise, uh, to the promised land in the wilderness, we know the story of Balaam, and we know that one of the things he declared was, I cannot curse that which God has blessed. But I can sure add my amen to the curse upon something God has already called a curse. How many of you know Deuteronomy 28 says sickness is a curse? Every sickness that's listed, and then on toward the end of the chapter, in about verse 61 or so, even every sickness not listed is part of the curse. So there is never a diagnosis of any kind of sickness or disease that will ever come to your life that isn't a diagnosis of a curse, which you have a right to curse. I'm not talking about cussing, remember, but you have a right. And so it says, and his disciples heard it. So this whole thing is not about silent prayer. I I know that we can pray inside ourselves. I know that there are times when people are uh, perhaps heavily sedated. There are people who might be in a, a really tough financial situation. I'm sorry, not financial, but a physical situation. <laughs> Maybe if you've ever been in a financial situation and you couldn't hardly talk, that's bad. But anyway, you know, they're, they're, people get in situations and it just, it's just like all they can do is kind of on the inside. And I understand that. And God does know our thoughts. But I do want to say this to you tonight. If you have the ability to even whisper, 
You need to say the word of God. You need to say your faith. Because if, again, if your faith is not strong enough to move your mouth, it's not strong enough to move your mountain. His disciples heard it. So you can imagine Jesus didn't go up to the fig tree and kind of, I'm cursing you. But in case it doesn't work, I'm not going to say it till the disciples can hear me. <laughs> People have their insurance policies, don't they? I'm a man of faith, but I'm going to temper it so I don't want to be embarrassed. Or, you know, and really what they're doing is they're saying, I'm not really sure if God's going to do this. And how many of you know that's not faith at all? And many of those same people will moan and groan at, I don't know why, you know, why this doesn't work. I heard a preacher tell a story about, he actually worked on staff with Brother Hagin for years. He did music and he traveled and did some things. And, and so part of the job was to man the, uh, you might remember cassette tapes. Some of us had boxes of those things. And uh, <laughs> they were a blessing. Uh, thank God now we have something a little more convenient to use. But anyway, uh, he was working at the tape table. And he said a lady came up to, it, up to the table and said, Have you got a tape for me? said, I have tried this and that. This just doesn't work for me. So they suggested this tape. I heard that one. It doesn't work for me. In, in other words, she just kept on saying what didn't work. And so finally this guy said, I do have a tape for you. And he, because, you know, they're traveling and all the stuff they have to do, he reached over on the shelf and he got out the duct tape. <laughs> and uh, this is David Horton, who I'm, some of you know who I'm talking about. And then about that time, many years ago, he said, Mark Brzee said, David, I'll take it from here. But his answer was, because her mouth was her problem. She kept declaring it's not working, and, and lo and behold, it wasn't working. This stuff really does work, whether you're positive or negative, whether, you're, whether you realize it or not, it's working, amen. So the disciples heard it, and so they came to Jerusalem, he cast out uh, the, those people who were buying and selling and all this stuff, not suffering anybody to carry any vessel through the temple. That's verses 15 and 16. And uh, then he told them about the house of God is not a, uh, it is a house of prayer, not a den of thieves and so forth and, and all of that. So verse 19, let's move down to verse 19. We're going to get to verse 23 sometime. And when even was come, he went out of the city. So he's been there all day. Now he's going back home. I mean, going back to, to Bethany, evidently. So in the morning, verse 20. So this is the next day. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Now, I'm not a, a, a specialist. Well, really, I'm not a specialist in anything, but I'm certainly not a specialist in agriculture. Uh, but I do know this. Uh, being raised in the hills and the mountains and, you know, around a lot of trees in my time, I do know that if a tree dies, it generally doesn't die overnight. You don't see a tree 
it, it dies so gradually that you can start seeing that this tree is dying. And you can watch literally day by day by day as, as the green turns to brown and all of that. Uh, you just know this tree is dead. Well, this tree turned completely brown, dried up. It was totally a dead tree overnight. That's supernatural. And Peter, verse 21, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master or teacher, behold, the fig tree which thou cursed, remember Peter heard him curse the fig tree, is withered away. And that's when Jesus went into this, what I consider, you might not agree, but anyway, I'll just share my little opinion at this moment. I think this is probably the most powerful, succinct section of teaching about faith that Jesus ever did that's recorded. I can't think of another place in Scripture that gives us a more powerful explanation of how faith works than these few verses here. And so he begins to say to them, And Jesus answering saith unto them, to all the disciples, he said, Have faith in God. Now, that means have the same kind of faith as God uses. That means have the faith of God. That means have faith in God. Uh, one translation says lay hold on God's faithfulness. So it's, it's twofold in a way. Uh, it's about the operation of faith through us and our voice and by believing in our heart and speaking with our mouth. But it's also and even more so about who we have faith in. If we're not careful, and this can happen to word of faith people, and, and uh, it, it needs, we need to be careful that we don't fall into a trap here. We don't necessarily need faith in our faith or in the process of faith. We need to make sure we always realize that our faith is in a person. It's in God. He's the source of miracles. He's the source of all healing. He's the source of all supernatural manifestations that are worthwhile. And so our faith is in him. But he shares his faith with us. And so if you have faith. It's the same kind he has. And if the God kind of faith could speak to a tree on Tuesday, and by Wednesday it's completely dead and everybody knows it, then that's the kind of faith I want. That's the kind of faith I want. And I want you to understand that that when he spoke to the tree at that moment, of course, they're walking along. I don't know how fast they were walking, but they're walking along on their way to Jerusalem that morning. He, he goes to the tree. It's nothing there. He curses the fig tree. And, uh, and so nobody sees anything. Nothing is obvious at the moment. It doesn't look like anything has changed. And evidently, when they left town that evening, there was nothing to notice because... Like in this case, this next day, Peter spoke up. Everybody saw it. So evidently, the tree looked the same as they left town going by it the, that evening. But something happened overnight. Now, you might say, well, 
I thought everything Jesus ever did was like the snap of your finger instantaneous. But that's not true. If you read the four Gospels, not all healings were instantaneous. Not all the supernatural things that happened, happened in the blink of an eye, so to speak. And that's important for us to realize because sometimes when we're fighting the good fight of faith, when we're believing God, when we're confessing the word, there will be sometimes periods when it looks like nothing's working. And you know what I'm talking about. I don't have to ask you to raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. And, and, there'll be, and, and it's in those times, of course, that the devil will try to set up on your shoulder, as we say, and talk into your ear about how it's not going to work and uh, it's not going to turn out right. And even those of you, and there are many of you here tonight, you have experienced the supernatural in your life. You've had prayers answered, and, and, and a number of you have been healed in certain areas, and you know it's supernatural. You know God intervened. But isn't it amazing how that when you're on your next faith venture, whatever that is, how the devil will tell you what he tells everybody every day, it's not going to work this time. Yeah, you got healed before, but you're not going to get healed this time. You know, he doesn't have any new stuff. And what he's telling you, pretty sure he's told me. And what he's told me, I'm pretty sure he's told you. That's just the way the devil is. It looks like that we should, as believers, as children of God, we should uh, wise up a little bit and realize he's a liar. And the only way his stuff works is if he can talk you into believing him. And let me tell you something. The only way God's stuff works for you is if he can talk you into believing him. And that's what the Bible is about. It's about God talking us into believing him. And you know the greatest insult you could ever pay to God is not going out and getting drunk tonight? I'm not advocating you do that. It's not going out and cheating somebody tomorrow. It's not committing adultery this Friday night. That's, those are bad things. You shouldn't do that. That's not the greatest insult you could ever pay to God, though. The greatest insult you could ever pay to God is not believe what he said. To call Jesus a liar, to call God the Father a liar, there is no greater insult that you could pay to God. Because nobody is better than their word. And if God's word is no good, then God would be no good. You probably know some people, and they tell you stuff, and it just goes off you like, as we say, water off the duck's back. You know that they're just a blow, George. You know they just talk to hear the head rattle. All those old cliches we use, you know? And you just don't, you just take it with a grain of salt. There's another one, you know, because you, you don't really count on it. But then there are other people you know in your life, and if they tell you something, you know it's good. You know it's good. Well, may I suggest to you, that this book has more integrity behind it than any human's word on the earth. This is the word of God, preserved through the centuries for us to be able to receive it. It was first breathed or spoken by God so that it could be written by men, so that men could take this, lift it from the page, and speak it again. Spoken, written, 
so it could be spoken. Because that's how the Bible works, is when it's released through a voice. Amen. And so, uh, there is only one source for faith. So when Jesus says, have the faith of God, there's only one source. Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's only one source and there's only one method. Only one source, that's the Bible, and only one method through which it comes, and that's by hearing it. You can put this beside your bed on the table, along with your glass of water or whatever you have there, flashlight or whatever you put there. Uh, you can put it by your bed and keep it closed, and it will not do anything for you. You have to open it, and you have to lift these words from the paper and put it in your mouth, and God's word in your mouth will accomplish exactly the same thing as if God himself were here speaking audibly. Now, I know people have a problem with that. They think, well, that's just too far. You know, I, I, I was with you up to here, preacher, but I don't know about that. Are you saying that if I lift God's word from the page and I speak what he said, that it's the same as if Jesus were here in the flesh speaking it? That's exactly what I'm saying. You don't have to believe that, but it's true. And I know that's a powerful statement, but that is how faith operates. So let me give you this little bit of, uh, of exhortation here tonight. Find scriptures that cover that thing you need or that you desire. And of course, the reason we can say desire, and that's okay to say, is because if you can find scriptures to cover it, it's all right for you to have it. You know, if, if, if I didn't have a wife, the Bible says, He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor from the Lord. I would have a right to believe for a wife. But after I started saving all that money, I don't know if I'd want to believe for another wife. <laughs> Our oldest grandson, when he was little, he's 28 now, but when he was a little, little boy, he figured some things out. He's a pretty smart kid. He told his nana, he said, women's, he couldn't talk real plain and real good at the time. He's a real little guy. He said, women's rights checks. <laughs> and what did he say about me? Men's works and women's rights checks. <laughs> Some things just never seem to change. <laughs> but, you know, uh, you just have to... <laughs> you, I'm in trouble. I'm afraid of the Lord. But find scriptures. Find scriptures that cover those things you desire or those things that you need, and make those scriptures yours. I love to listen to preaching. I mean, we have been doing this for so many years. It's just a way of life. Almost every night of the world, we go to bed listening to somebody preach, or we, we're going to bed listening to somebody read scripture to us. Almost every night, that's just the way we do. And uh, so it's, it's become a real good routine for us. And... Uh, you know, sometimes if, if it's a really good message, you, you can't sleep because <laughs> you're, you're listening, you know. But uh, 
I love to hear testimonies. I love to hear what God has done for other people. And it's amazing what God does for those who believe him. But one thing I have learned is, as encouraging as the testimony is, I have to make those scriptures mine. I'm not going to get a miracle just because you did. Now, because you did signals that I can too, but, but I'm not going to get one just because you did. I'm going to have to put the word into my heart, and I'm going to have to be open to the anointing and receive the power of God and obey the Lord and all the things that are involved. So I would encourage you, find the scriptures. And it doesn't have to be 35 of them. It doesn't have to be 100. You don't have to spend all your time just writing them down. But I would encourage you to write some of them down. You know, I like to, I like to put notes in my phone and, and all that kind of stuff. And we like the modern conveniences. But there is something about taking a, a pen in your hand and writing something on a piece of paper. There's just something about that that is helpful. So make those scriptures yours. And I'm running out of time, so I want to finish with this section, and then we'll get to verses 23 and 24. So you notice the two verses we were supposed to get to tonight, we haven't even got to the first one yet. But thank God for next Wednesday. Amen. But I want to say this to you, uh, based on 1 Peter 1, 7 and 1 Timothy 6, 12. If you're taking notes, that's 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, and 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. And this is not necessarily what we want to hear, but it is what we need to hear, and that's this. Your faith is going to be tested. God knows when you have faith, but the devil's not always sure how serious you are. The devil has observed people and has been tempting people and troubling people for 6,000 years. He knows human nature quite well, but... Even at that, every time you set out by faith to believe God for the supernatural, the devil will gamble that you're not going to win. That you're not going to hold out. You're not going to fight the good fight of faith until your faith ends in sight with your blessing manifested. He will, he will gamble. Every temptation, for instance, of the devil is a gamble. Why do I say that? Because the devil doesn't see the future the way God does. He doesn't know everything. He's not all-powerful. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't have power, and I'm not saying he doesn't know a lot of stuff. He's a cunning uh, adversary. But he doesn't know everything, and he certainly doesn't know the future the way God sees the future. And so when he comes to you with temptation or he comes to test your faith in his way, you know, to see if you're going to stand or not, to see if you're going to receive fully or not. Well, what he does is he's gambling. He's believing you're going to cave. He's believing that you're going to give up. He's believing you're going to, you know, mess the thing up and, and you're going to walk away. That's, that's his gamble. And so that's one reason he always comes. Even if it's the, I don't know, if we kept track of all of our answered prayer, let's just throw out an arbitrary number. Let's say you were, you were at prayer number 150 and 149 had, had been answered and you had them documented. You got all kinds of great testimonies and you've seen miracles. And so this is the 150th time that you begin to make this 
faith venture and believe God for it. Do you know, not only will the devil tell you that time again that it won't work, but he'll also try to test your faith and try your faith so that he's hoping you're going to cave. And so if you have not found scriptures to stand on, if you are unsure of the will of God, then, then you're going to be in trouble here. And let me say that if Satan tempted Jesus, and he did, I'm not trying to offend you, but uh, he's going to try you too. He's going to try you as well. And you've read in your Bible, all, Pente- all of us Pentecostal people, we're familiar with this term. I know some churches, maybe they don't talk much about it, but, but the term familiar spirits, you know, these are demons, these are evil spirits that are familiar with people and familiar with humans. They have watched, they observe. We see through all that network, however that works in the kingdom of darkness, there are things that the devil knows about you. He knows there are certain weaknesses. He's, he's seen us mess up, and he's also seen the victories. And so he, he, he's going to come around and try you. So your faith's going to be tested. You must learn to fight the good fight of faith. You've got to get some tenacity about you. And I'll say this as we close tonight. Uh, you don't need sympathy. I know we want it. You don't need people to pet you and tell you what a wonderful person you are and how unfair it is that you're going through this. I know we like that. But you don't need that. There is no faith in that. And at the end of the day, I'd rather have the miracle from God than to have the sympathy of a million people on the planet. I would rather have the blessing of the Lord in my life as to have all of the people in the world feeling sorry for me and, you know, want to bring me hot tea and, you know, cold towels or whatever you bring. Chicken noodle soup, right? Maybe fried chicken, I'll take some of that. You don't have to feel sorry for me for that. Just come celebrate with me. But anyway, you understand what I'm saying? So we go to the Word, and then... uh, um, when we, when we get together again, we're going we're gonna to talk about the 23rd verse. I promise we'll get there. And uh, these scriptures, as you hear preachers say this a lot, but I, I truly mean this. These scriptures changed my life. Amen. They absolutely changed my life. You just wouldn't know where I came from. You wouldn't know. Just a few of you here know. But most of you would not believe how unlikely it would have looked that we'd ever be standing before you, that you would drive and come here to this service tonight to hear anything I had to say. There was a time in my life when that would have looked like the, the furthest thing from the reality that would ever happen. These verses have changed our life. These verses have changed our church, our ministry. And, uh, you know, I know there are a lot of critics about what we call the faith message. There are a lot of critics about uh, these kinds of things. But I'll just tell you, it's a little bit too late. It's worked so well for so long. And the best is